Hi, this is Bailey Curry. Dallin Bestwick here. Brennan Gaunt here, former driver number 62. This is Gary Owen from the Going YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Rafael Sard. Quick Pick Podcast. It's not that tough. Connor, Ethan, Quick Pick Podcast. You're listening to it. Everybody tune in. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan, joined as always by Connor. It's another great week on the show. Fox is finally gone. Daniel Suarez has finally won a race without choking. It's 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 a pretty exciting, it's a pretty exciting race weekend. Um, Connor, how are you doing today? Doing good. A little sunburn as it's now summer and my uh, shorters are as red as a red as a cherry. So uh a little sunburnt, so I'm feeling that. But yeah, um, crazy to think that this week in the podcast, we have a great interview coming up. We have a Daniel Suarez win, and Fox is gone. I mean, it can't get any better than that, can it? Yeah, well, I, I think it would be better for one of us if it was like a, a Bowman win or a McDowell win, you know, like in, in your dreams, in your dreams. Yes. Anyway, let's we, we need to get before we get into this, we need to get a shout out to our sponsors, starting off with Circle B Diecast, Plan B Sales, one of the top NASCAR online merchandise websites you can find on the internet today. They have everything from hats, hoodies, t shirts, uh, literally anything you can think of. Go grab, go use our promo code, quick pit, all caps, no spaces, on uh, helps you guys save some money. Helps us gain some money where we can put back into another giveaway. And go get yourself another Dana Suarez uh, first-time winner flag as he was waving around and uh, as, as he was burning down the car in Victor Lane here at Sonoma. But who else – who is our other partner here on the show, Ethan? Well, you think they'll start selling pinatas there? You know? Maybe. Maybe. I, that, was I, pretty, that was a pretty good celebration, wasn't it? Yeah, I think uh, Trackhouse has the best celebration drivers ever seen. They each have a theme. Watermelon Man, uh, you know, Daniel's Amigo. And Amigos were there in the turn one, and then he uh, took a taco and uh, taco pinata and, uh, like, did burnouts around it, then uh, smashed it. So uh, yeah, I think that's I pretty think, cool. I think the goal was for it to, like, break out over the car, and then when that didn't work, he had to break it himself. But – yeah, I mean, they have a lot of fun drivers. Okay, Washington on the Daily is our other uh, partner, sponsor of the show. Go check him out on Instagram and Twitter at, at WSH on the Daily for all your Washington Commanders news and updates, which I'm still following, this, uh, which Connor cannot say about the Phillies, but we'll get in. Uh, we'll, we'll avoid that topic. Um, but I will just say that Connor has said this multiple times for different teams in the past and then gotten drawn back in. So I'm not too concerned. I think he'll get um, sucked I am back not in. watching any Philadelphia Phillies baseball, Ethan, for the 1,000th time anymore. But let's get into the top 10 here at Sonoma. Starting off, coming up in 10th, one of the two RFK racing drivers that finishes at the top 10, Brad Kozlowski, coming up in 10th. Very solid run for him. Finished 20, was way back in 22nd. Eric. Is probably very very mad right now because uh, he uh, his crew chief let him stay out uh, in uh, towards uh, when the pit stops were happening in stage three. Caution came out, he got screwed, and he uh, wheeled it back to a tenth place finish. But uh, yeah, he's not looking for top tens right now. He's gonna need a win. 
Yeah, Eric was not happy, but at least he recovered for a top 10. Here's something crazy, Connor. You know when yeah. Kowalski's last top 10 was? Daytona 500. Yes, sir. He only has two top 10s this year for that in that six car for RFK Racing. I don't think it's going the way that they planned. Coming home in ninth place, we have William Byron, um, a, a Hendrick car. Um kind of was there all day i i don't know if he ever was on tv honestly i cannot remember one thing one anecdote about william byron during that race so william byron gets another top 10 he was 18 through 22nd the entire the entire race was not fast qualified 20th but he used that caution in the middle of stage three to gain a couple positions and was able to wheel it home right out right in the top 10 so uh you know, taking good work by Will and Byron because that was not a top, top 10 car for him. But coming home in eighth is the nine car of Chase Elliott, probably one of the favorites going into the race. And he was dominant in the first two stages. And then uh, he pit outside of his box, causing him to go to the back of the field. Uh, yeah, threw away his chances at a win. But somehow coming from the back of the field at the beginning of stage three and wheel it to an eighth when you had very hard time passing, that's pretty good. So a very, very, very solid day for Chase Elliott. Yeah, I mean, he recovered. He had a great recovery, but I'm sure that team is pretty frustrated with how that ended because that was probably a chance at a win right there. After Kyle Larson, they screwed the strategy up and then uh, later had a tire come off, which means that Cliff Daniels gets an extended four weeks to his off week. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. I think we'll have to use that clip again at some point. <laughs> well, he, he will have a good time in Cancun for a uh, good old Cliff Daniels. Yes. So, so uh, they the the five car did not have a good race, although they did recover to fifteenth. But and, they won. They won stage one though, so they were quick. But uh, after all that, after all that happened, uh, they 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 turned into a bad day very quick. Yeah, they tried to do the same thing they did last year by not pit before the stage and, and gather stage points and still win the race, and it did not work very well. But uh, Larson did end up recovering to a top 20 at the very least. Conum in seventh is Ross Chastain, um, who managed to go a whole race without having any issues, really. I mean, he, he spun himself. No. Out of- oh, no, 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 no. Not any issues? Oh, Ask Austin Dillon that question. Oh, yeah, that's right. We should hear radioactive. Austin Dillon was about this close, a centimeter away from dumping that guy into a tire barrier. He, Ross Chastain, is making way, way too much enemies right now. And he's, I'm not, I'm starting not to like him a little bit because he's starting to get a little, little, you know, aggressive, thinking he's, you know, very, very good. And, um, He's driving like he's a Cody Ware-esque, which he's not, but he's driving like that right now the past two races. So um, he's making a lot of enemies. Let's go through the list right now at the top of my head. We've got Denny Hamlin. Mm -hmm. We've got AJ Allmendinger. Mm -hmm. We've got Chase Elliott. Mm -hmm. DJ McLeod's not too happy with him right now after Gateway, although that's not – I don't know. I don't know how how uh, spicy that is. We've got Austin Dillon. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ryan Blaney is pleased with him either. No, Ryan Blaney's frustrated with him. I also put another name in there. Hmm. Alex Bowman. Oh, 
Chastain was very, very slow when Bowman was up there before uh, he got dumped by, we can't even say his name, which you'll hear me rant about him in a few seconds, uh, was was being very, very, you know, this is the middle race. It was like for eighth or ninth. And Chastain is blocking Bowman like very, very hard. It was after he spun out when he let Blaney go by and Bowman was behind him. And Bowman was literally about to send him because it was two or three laps. He was just blocking, blocking, blocking. So uh, I would add him to the list. I think Tony Stewart said on the broadcast that he's driving with his mirror way too much. Which Oh, he Tony Stewart went on a rant. So um, I think that means all of SHR is mad. So uh, let's just put it this way. Half the field is half the garage is mad at him. Half the competitive cars in the field are, are ticked off at Ross Chastain. Great. That means the playoffs will be tremendously exciting to watch. Um, yep. But he still does get a top 10. Uh, for once, his teammate outran him, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Ryan Blaney comes home in sixth. Uh, he was running top five for a while, slipped back towards the end, and um, his teammate got past him late. But uh, another good run for Ryan Blaney. He needed that. He's had a couple of rough weeks in a row. Yeah, coming home in fifth, his teammate Austin Dillon in the two-car. Very, very solid run. They had the win at Daytona 500, so – Right now, they're locked in the playoffs. Hopefully, there's not more than 16 winners. But Austin Dillon, very, very solid run today. And uh, Austin Cendrick. You said Dillon. Keep yeah. going. So, the other Austin, Austin Cendrick. So, very, very good run for that team in the two-car. Yes. Coming home in fourth place, we have the four-car of Kevin Harvick. Had a very fast race car and was really mad at his team after they botched the final pit stop, lost them a bunch of positions. I think if they have a good pit stop there, we might be talking about Kevin Harvick getting a win. Um, he had a fast enough car, I think, to do it. And um, if he had a fast pit stop there, caution comes out, he might have another two spots. He might be sitting third or even the second or, or, or first or something like that where he can drive up and uh, grabbed the lead, and instead he finishes fourth, which is still a good run. But uh, that team might need a win the way things are trending. I think they're back into the playoffs at the moment, but not by much. Um, they are out of it by seven points. Yes. Seventeenth. To his teammate. So, I mean, they are trending towards needing a win, especially if we get someone like – I mean, Suarez – down in the bubble behind Harvick. He won. His, he's jumped over him. I mean, would you be shocked with the – I mean, Tyler Reddick is snake-bitten as they've been. I, I think a Tyler Reddick win could come at any point, really. They've had the speed. Austin yeah. Dillon has had good races. Um, Eric Jones has had good races. I mean, Kevin Harvick is not safe. Eric Almirola is not safe. I don't think uh, Christopher Bell or, or even Truex is safe at this point. There's only four spots left on points this year for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it's going to get very, very tight here, very, very quick. So I'm glad my guy Alex Bowman has a win, but uh, yeah, Kevin Harvick is, might need a win. But coming in, in third, God, to keep stealing my money, but Ethan did a dumb bet on uh, Rick Ware racing. Michael McDowell, uh, solid run. He's just not good enough to win races when he has a chance on like Bowman where he takes advantage. He needs to, uh, you know, be a little bit more aggressive. He can't be uh when you, when you know a research coming, you got to go get the lead thing between the last because you saw which cleaner did it, uh, did a did it good for that team uh, for the leader. So, um, 
I'll yeah, Michael team. McDowell. Michael McDowell did very, very good for that team, but it just shows that he's never been in that position to win races, and he uh, couldn't couldn't come up with the win. Yep, fell a little bit short. I think I think that was their best chance. They they really should have been more aggressive. I mean, it's still a great finish for that team. I believe off the top of my head for front row, that's probably their best non super speedway finish. Aside from maybe, I guess Chris Busher got that fluke fog win at Pocono one year, but like otherwise, that it's a pretty good run for that team. Going home in second, another Ford. Chris Busher uh, grabs the second place finish. Couldn't quite get to Daniel Suarez late, and like you said for McDowell, they had a chance and he couldn't pull it off. Um, I'm sure he was driving his tail off to get the win, but. I uh, couldn't get to Suarez late and ended up settling for second, but that might be all she wrote for that team name. I, I, I really think uh, the 17 team needs a win at this point to get into the playoffs. This might've been their best chance, but they were really good. I mean, Busher was able to keep pace with Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson early in the race. That was a fast race car. Yeah, they were, they were all very, very quick, but um, the amigo, me amigo, uh, uh, I'm not very good at Spanish. I was going to say something in Spanish, but now I forget what I was going to say because I can't even speak Spanish. But Daniel Suarez finally gets himself a win. Uh, it is great to see one of the nicest guys in the Cup Series gain a win. is always cool to see. And uh, from, you know, he – I don't know. We just all love Daniel Suarez. So it's, I think it's very, very – it's very, very cool that he finally gets a win and um, get to win with all his uh, amigos in uh, turn one at Sonoma. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I don't think there's many people, many NASCAR fans who don't like Daniel Suarez. I mean, I, I, that's a very popular win. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty boring finish, uh, a pretty – or at least not – Boring race. Not chaotic finish. It was not a good race. Yeah. I mean – Why did you vote on the Jeff Luck poll, Ethan? I didn't look. I did vote yes. Ethan, you can't vote yes. Oh, my gosh, Ethan. All right, we're doing a debate right now if this was a good race or not because that was you. All right, can you actually pull that up real quick? What is the percent? Like, what is the final? What was the final uh, tally? Because people, it's gonna be all misjudged because Dana Swartz winning. Like, I love Dana Swartz winning, but when you ask if if this was a good race, it was not a good race. It was a terrible race. It was not a good race. You couldn't really pass. Clean air met everything. It was very very little cautions. Very very little you know accidents there wasn't the the only the only good part was the strategy but it was just, it's the same as same as every ro- other road course so the racing itself was not not good so the race was not good the the winner was good not the race let's see here um it got a 66 point three percent that puts it between uh richmond and atlanta one on the poll so i mean All right, I, I could see that but it, what if daniel swords didn't win in like a denny hamlin or kevin harvick one what do you think would be if it was a good race oh it would be like in the 40s exactly so it's so the race itself that just shows that it was not a very good race yeah i well i will say i think i and think butchered the- our so if you're listening, Ethan accidentally hit yes. It was a very bad race. So uh, we're sorry that Ethan no, no, no. Let me, hit yes. Let me make my point. 
let me let me give you my reasoning because here first of all i personally really like a strategy race and there was some strategy at the end and i enjoyed it's the same strategy as every other road course no no no, not the first two stages i enjoyed the strategy of the last stage because you had guys pitting in all different times and lots of lots of uh mistakes and it wasn't it wasn't a mistake there was there was only like three or four cars that had him pit at the end. So they called it the very, very last minute of the green flag cycle. I bet you Brad Kozlowski's can come pit the next lap. So there's only like screwed over like three people and the three people were probably not race favorite wins. Like Brad Kozlowski was running fifth. So. No. Okay. It still was interesting. It wasn't interesting. Ethan. So, so one, one little interesting part of a race made it a good race. I like watching them drive on the road courses because you can see the skill, even if they're not. It doesn't matter, Ethan. They, Ethan, 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 you're, you're missing the whole point. They could not pass. The only passes that happened is when a car was clearly quicker than the other, and the other one just braked early into the corner to allow the guy to go past him and pull out of his way. There wasn't no very good blocking, except for Chastain at stupid points. The restarts weren't very good. People really weren't challenging for the lead. They were easy, easy to get a quick jump. The leader was out, and that's all she wrote. The leader would not lose was a clean air. The racing itself was not not fun. The passing was not there. And just because of one slight little interesting point does not make it a great race or a good race. Okay. I, I will say this, Connor. I would not say it was a bad race either. I would say it was a very, very mediocre race but it was a bad race it was on close it was closer to the good side than the bad side no 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 look look, look no, no, no 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 it was closer to the bad side than it was the good side you're, you're getting this all twisted ethan it, Connor, it's listen. clear as day that this was not a good race it was listen. terrible the race was terrible the winner was good race was terrible sometimes you can't exactly explain why you thought it was good um and and Ethan, not, you, see, look, you can look. you can't exactly explain why it's good because it wasn't good. You just you just want it to be good because Michael McDowell finished third. If Bowman won this race no, 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 no. and he won it like won it like Suarez won it, I would have still said it was a bad race oh, because sure. it was not fun. This race was garbage. I enjoyed myself watching. I, I voted yes. However, let yeah, me watching fun. I I I say we leave Sonoma. We just leave it. And ditch it and leave it to burn with Texas. That was a terrible race. That is an awful take. I would not go that far. However, let me ask you this question, Connor. Do you think adding more road courses had has made the road course racing worse? And I'll say it like this. Yes. 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 The yes. Old, yes. Old yes. Road yes. Course, yes. The old road course racing, when it was just two or three races a year, the cars were not designed for these tracks. And that made it fun. The, the drivers had no idea what they were doing. And, and that so made it fun. That made it so much fun. And now they have more and more practice. They've been practicing outside of NASCAR because you can't, you used to just be like, okay, well, this is an off week. We'll finish mid pack, but you know, it'll be fine because we have 34 other races to make up these points and go get wins. Now, I mean, it's, I believe the second most prevalent track type behind mile and a half on the schedule. So you're going to, you need to be good at these tracks. And, and, and then the next gen car, it shifts better. 
it's uh, easier to drive on these tracks. So the cars race better and they're faster at road courses. But overall, the quality is worse because the drivers are getting better. It's this really weird thing. Would you agree with that? It's a literally turning to F1. I wouldn't put it that far. They, there's absolutely no passing in F1. NASCAR it's turned to F1. There was no passing at Sonoma. It's boring. B O R I N G. Boring. All right. Um, let me see if I can um, find some data on this. There were 2,235 green flag passes. Now let's look at the last race at, at Sonoma. There were 2,800. The, the previous one before that, there was less. So I, I will also say, I don't think Sonoma is a phenomenal road course. Because it's garbage. I think Coda, Coda, Coda was, was better. Coda was good. There was more passing. It was more competitive. Sonoma, it's like this old track that just kind of sticks around. It's boring. We've gone here for so long, and no one wants to be here anymore. Stands were not very full. They were empty. They weren't even close to having stands. They were empty. Yeah. Um, so, so knowing that and knowing how they are, because Sonoma is very flowy. It doesn't have a lot of, like, hard-breaking zones and stuff. And I think that might be the issue with the passing problem is that there's no real spot. These cars are good enough that there's not a great spot to make a pass. Like there's not any real spots except for the, the hairpin to outbreak somebody, you know? I think it's also part with the, you now at a five shift or whatever, you can like shift for five gears or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that also would have a fact on it because they're having to pay more attention to that. And they're like, ah, a little bit of rest. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I just want it to go away. I want to bring back the days of Marcus Ambrose and AJ Allmendinger beating them, banging at Welcome to Glen. Uh, you know, even we can go even as far as Chase Elliott winning his first race, race at the Glen. Those types of races, the old, the Tony Stewart beating and banging with Denny Hamlin at Sonoma a couple of years ago, those types of road course races, those had fun parts to him. We got this one in Coda. Had no fun. I'm, I'm, just, I'm talking Coda. about like the old racetracks, like Walgreens, Glen, Sonoma, that have been around forever. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think, I think we really need to think about going back to Sonoma because you're hauling these haulers all the way out there to California just to have a bad rate. I don't know. I, I don't like it. You need to also take stage cautions away from the, from the road courses. Absolutely. We went out and threw baseball for 10 minutes as they were going through the caution. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, that, that just from that standpoint alone, not even talking like strategy things, because if you, you know, I, I, I would say the, the 2014 Watkins Glen race where AJ Allmendinger won battling Marcus Ambrose that's probably one of the greatest NASCAR road course races of all time, right? Yeah. You know how that got set up? How? Different strategies because there were no stage cautions. So Almondinger was on one strategy and Ambrose was on another. And Jeff Gordon, who 
broke halfway through the race, was really fast early, had a completely different strategy. They're all doing different things. And then somehow they all merged together at the end and created that phenomenal finish. Now everyone, okay, you know, if, if you're competing for the win, you pit before the stage. If you want stage points, you go, you go for the stage win. You do the same thing. We had Cody Ware getting stage points because nobody wanted stage points. Yeah, I say just award stage points. If you want to keep awarding stage points, award it, but don't throw out the caution. Exactly. At any track where you can pit without losing a lap, you should not have stage cautions. So that includes Pocono, and that includes the super speedways. I don't know about no. I would say just keep it as a road course because because Why? because super speedways. If you're on a super speedway, then you're going to get demolished by the pack. Okay, maybe not super speedways, but someplace like Pocono, which is the way well, it yeah. races with the different corners. Pocono kind of races like a road course anyway. Well, we're not going to do this like. This track, that track, just say road courses. We're not, we're warning stage points. We're not throwing out cautions. Every other track, it'll be cautioned or not on stage one. Keep it simple, keep it straight. So NASCAR fans are like, well, hey, Bob, Bob Parker's that Bob Parker's. What, what, what's today? Are we, are, are we keeping it green after the stages or, or what? And if it's just a road course, we all know, hey, we're going to keep it, they're going to roll stage points, but we're going to keep it green. Good idea. That, that, that would work great. I would love it. It would make Sonoma, it might make Sonoma exciting again. Sonoma has always been the more boring track anyway. So I'm not too surprised that it wasn't a great race. What's better, Sonoma or Portland? For entertainment value, Portland was pretty funny seeing like Ty Gibbs get dumped by a Wuji and just seeing them not being able to drive in the rain. I still think Sonoma is a slightly better racetrack. Well, yeah, Portland's facility is a piece of garbage, but um, well, yeah, it's run by the city. They both suck. They can both go. They can both go burn with Texas. Yep, replace them with something more exciting. All right. Um, well, yeah, let's do uh, Pocono twice and Dover twice. There we go. And the crowd goes wild. Man, we are, let's see here. We're about a month away from Pocono, Connor. Not soon enough. Five weeks. Five weeks. Um, let's see here. We go up the 22nd. So, yeah, five weeks. It's the 15th as we record right, right now. But, uh, yeah, any, any news from this week? 37 days total, Connor. 37 days. We can do it. Um, any uh, any news uh, of note from this week off the top of your head? No. Kyle Busch sucks and we should race in iRacing, but I can't tag unless he blocked us. You are awful at iRacing. You could be good if you had time to practice, but... When you, you don't give me time to practice. You just kick me off. You raced for two hours and maybe had one clean lap. No, I was getting better at that road course. It was just that stupid chicane. Yeah, you were doing all right at Lime Rock. That wasn't bad. And I just started Charlotte, and I was in a whole different car. And you expect me to learn a whole different car after I raced the one car. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Um, let's see here. 
Should we move on to the interview or do you have any other, any other, uh, oh, oh, actually I do have something I want to talk about. NASCAR was stupid over the weekend. They put the timing line for practice and qualifying because typically on a road course, you put the timing line before the pit road entry. So you can like, they can finish their lap and go right into the pits instead of having to do a whole cool down lap and then go into the pits. It speeds things up. So they put the timing line in a braking zone for a corner. So like in a normal race at that corner, I forget where corner it was, you're braking in a race, you'd be braking as you're at that line. But if you're qualifying, you're not going to want to break coming to the line. You see what I'm saying, Connor? Yeah, because AJ Allmendinger just flew it in there and went in the dirt after. Yeah, and Husevar won the pole and crashed for the truck race, which it's impressive that he was able to, to set down a pole time in, in any way. Um, and then he got relieved by Suarez, and I think they finished, Suarez finished like eighth. So Suarez had a very good weekend. Um, and uh, one more thing. Do you know, before... do you know what the one more stupid thing is? What? NASCAR is not doing, qual- not doing practice at Atlanta. They just figured teams already have it all down, and they're just going to do a uh, qualifying. It's still a brand new track. That's- yep, but they they said it raced like a super speedway. All the teams saw it. We're just doing qualifying next time, going around Atlanta. So whatever. I can understand them doing it for like Talladega and Daytona. Or Daytona. Yeah, but not. Yeah, I don't know. That's stupid. That is really stupid. Um. One more thing. We mentioned it earlier, but the point standings are pretty crazy. Right now, um, we have – I need to to go back here to this race. But um, right now, Eric Almirola is the last driver in on points. He's 11th in points. 12th in points right now is currently out of the playoffs. That's Kevin Harvick. Um, we have Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, Eric Jones, and uh, Michael McDowell as the next guys out on points. Um, do you think we get to 16 winners here, Connor, real quick? We have 10 races left in the regular season. Yes, because we still have Atlanta and Daytona. And then you're saying two other winners in there, two normal winners? Yeah, we got road course and stuff, so yeah. Here's what I want to see happen. I'm not. I'm not saying it's gonna be over 16, where we have a shocker. I, I can. I see Ryan Blaney winning the race. I see Truex winning the race. I can see a Brad Keselowski winning Daytona. So I'm. I'm saying I could see. I could see guys that you would, that are currently in the playoffs winning. Yeah. To make it 16. All right. Yeah. All right. Here's what I would like to see happen: Is Ryan Blaney not win a race? He's currently fourth in points. I want four other drivers to win and him not and stay like top five in points and have see what NASCAR does when their driver when a top five driver in points all regular season gets kicked out of the playoffs in favor of like Brad Kislowski, who wins the Daytona race and is like 27th in points at that time. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be very I would love to see if they made up some sort of BS judgment call at the time to add Blaney. Yeah, we'll see. Jeff Gordon style. All right. So, unless you have anything else, Connor? No, I'm good. 
All right, so we will move on to my interview with BJ McLeod, Cup Series driver and owner of Live Fast Motorsports. That's coming up next on the Quick Hit Podcast. back to the quick pit podcast i'm your host ethan and this week we are joined by bj mcleod cup series driver and owner of live fast motorsports he drives the 78 number 78 ford mustang in the cup series how are you doing today bj doing good man that's great to hear coming off of uh, i guess your last race would have been gateway uh because yep. you had hacker in the car this past weekend so to start it off, what's uh, your earliest NASCAR racing memory? What got you interested in motorsports? Well, so NASCAR memory would be uh, racing Martinsville uh, in the truck for the first time and, you know, achieving that and getting the chance to race, you know, one of NASCAR's uh, top three series. So that's definitely the most memorable, you know, NASCAR moment as far as just, you know, knowing that finally had done it, you know, got to run at least one race and, at that point, didn't know if I'd ever get to run another one, but, uh, you know, definitely was, uh, was special to me. So how did you get started in racing, interested in racing when you were younger? What got you on the path to eventually make that truck start and then get to where you are now, too? Well, my, my parents were really good to me and spent a lot of time, you know, developing me and working with me and hauling me all over the country. And they, uh, they started me you know, and gas powered four wheelers that I had to shift three times with no clutch, uh, when I was three years old, two and a half years old, actually, and, uh, raced those till I was about five and then switched to go-karts, raced those till I was about 12, then, uh, started practicing stock cars, super late models, drove those for about a year, just testing, and then ran my first race at age 13 and drove stock cars all the way to age 26 and then went to, uh, the truck series and, you know, when I, when I turned 26. So it's been, uh, just, you know, family deal for us. And, you know, the, the work and effort they put in when I was young is definitely what set me on this path. So in, in 2020, you started live fast motorsports with Matt Tift. What went into starting that team with Matt? You already had an Xfinity team prior to that kind of, how did that all come about? Well, we had always, you know, Jessica and I had always dreamed of owning a cup team and, you know, trying to succeed at NASCAR's highest level, right? And Matt and I and Jessica had been together. You know, he drove, started driving for us in 2010 and Super Lates, and we helped develop his career into NASCAR and worked with his family and, you know, just developed a great relationship over a decade. And, you know, Matt and I had – we were doing – you know, talking about some investments out of racing, you know, in probably 2019, I think it was, maybe late 18. I think it was late 18. And – um you know, we just, one night we were in the movie theater and we're like, you know what, we should work towards buying a charter. And that's like kind of where it kicked off. And, you know, it was, it was a reality because Jessica and I had been in the sport for a long time and Matt had been a driver in some of the, some of the best teams for, you know, several years. And just, you know, between the three of us, we were able to, you know, work that direction. And we, we met with Joe and, 
made a deal to, to work with the charter and, and there you go. That's the team. Right. So it just, it's wild to look back and, you know, see it all because it's the last 12 years of my life. Right. So to see it from the day I first met Matt and, you know, Jessica and I are just dreaming. So now we do own a cup team and we own a charter and we're trying to succeed at NASCAR's highest level. Speaking of the, the team, how difficult is it to attract and keep sponsors? What goes into bringing a sponsor on board and, and keeping them on board uh, in today's current state uh, of motor racing? Well, you always have to prove value for any marketing partner. And, you know, Matt's done an excellent job at, you know, increasing sponsorship from our first year to second year. And we have a lot of partners that are very happy with the way we treat them. And just uh, you got to be good to people. And it's the same way. It doesn't matter if it's just it's not just about, you know, marketing partners or sponsors, like it, you have to do that everywhere. Right. So, you know, it's really no different than you, you treat every day. It's just, you know, working hard to prove the analytics and, and what, you know, what the team is actually doing for the return for the sponsor or the marketing partner. And that's where, you know, Matt's definitely helped us a ton because, you know, Jessica and I had always struggled with it and, and it had been difficult for us because we did do everything, right? Like we've, we've, we've done every part of the business since we started. And it's, uh, you know, it's a whole nother avenue that, that Matt really brought an A game to the table. And, and he's done a great job with the people we do have. And we just need time to keep building and developing these relationships and making them stronger. So for a team like yours that's still growing and developing, that's not on TV all the time, how do you like prove value for a sponsor to, to get on board? Like I said, you just uh, go off the analytics and we have um, companies that look and see, like prove black and white, whether it was good or whether it was bad. We get that information and work with the people we work with and, and you know, go over programs and different plans to, to increase and make it better for the next time out. And just there's a lot of different things that you can look at. And it's not, you know, we get TV time every week, right? But it's not just about that. There's so much to do with social media and, and the atmosphere around NASCAR and the brand loyalty to the fans that there's a lot there when it comes to NASCAR and the cup series for, for any, any company out there that needs to build their brand. Great. Um, so one of your sponsors, uh, motorsport games, you have a technical partnership, uh, that helps them make their, their NASCAR video games. How does that operate? Kind of what, what do you guys share with them and, and how do you help them make the games better? Well, we do, uh, like you said, we have a technical alliance with them and we, um, we basically just whatever information they need to try to help, you know, make the game more realistic and, and more like an everyday situation for a NASCAR weekend that's what they have access to. You know, it's, it's a two-way partnership where we love being a part of it too. Matt and I are, you know, we love playing games and, you know, the, the, the part that we're enjoying is we get, we get to, you know, work with these guys on a professional level, but we also enjoy just going and hanging out and, you know, having fun with them too. So it's, uh, it's been, you know, really cool to try to help and, and work with it. And this year it's, you know, we're, starting to be able to do more and, and help them and try to make sure that we keep making the products better every time they come out. It definitely is improving. So going back to your team, uh, the next gen car was supposed to save teams money, make it easier for smaller teams to compete. 
as an owner and driver for a small team yourself, do you think that's been the case so far? Has it lived up to its expectations? It's done more than live up to its expectation. It's, you know, NASCAR took a big chance. All the people in NASCAR and the team owners and the drivers and everybody took a big chance with this next gen car and it has done nothing but exceed 10 times over with, you know, some of the best racing we've ever seen week after week after week. Like we have less than two races, in my opinion, that were questionable this year of being average. And it's just because we've gotten so used to every week being awesome. Right. So, you know, as far as the, the entertainment, which is what we're here for and the racing, it's, it's awesome. And when you look at the business side of it, any upfront costs or anytime you do a, a, you know, a product switch or a equipment switch, you know, like we had to do from November to February, it's a ton of upfront costs, but you know, that's part of that is to just be said, because, you know, we are at the highest level of stock car racing in the world. So, you know, we have to be ready to, to take that on as owners and, and look towards the future and betterment of the sport. And, the budget for the car is absolutely better than Gen 6 or anything we've seen before. And it will help level the playing field. You've already seen teams be able to win this year that didn't have a chance last year. You've already seen people run in the top 10 this year that couldn't run in the top 20 last year. Um, even for a team as small as Matt and I's, it's, it's helped us be closer to where we want to be, right? Like last year, you look at California, we didn't run it in 2020, but I've ran there before. I think 2019 was my last time there. And I was eight or nine laps down. And this year we finished on the lead lap. Um, Vegas, I think we were two laps down. And that's because I was a little bit, you know, extra courteous with the leaders, didn't want to mess up the race and lost an extra lap just getting out of the way. Um, Gateway, we were one lap down. Like you go back to 2020, we had very few races that we were just one lap down. So it has done more than exceed expectations across the board for every aspect that it was supposed to help. The, at the beginning of the season, there was concern about a part shortage. Has that affected the team at all, or has that kind of just uh, slowed down and balanced out at this point? Yeah, it's definitely uh, balanced out. It's, you know, I think there was just concern because, like I said, this is a new venture for, for the whole industry, right? Like, it's not just one person. So you always get worried, you know, if you, if, if you don't have enough parts, well, how do we get to the track, right? Like, I think it's just a you know, it's part of being smart and proactive and, you know, making sure that everything's covered. And we, uh, we've definitely been able to get what we need to be there and, and be secure. And, uh, you know, I think for taking on, you know, post COVID, this kind of major switchover for a sport, they, they couldn't have went any better. What's the future for Live Fast? How do you, what are the goals? What are the plans for the team over the next, over this year, next year, and the next like five years? What's the long-term plans for the, for the organization? The long-term plans to win a race without a doubt, right? Like to, the most important part is to be competitive week in and week out. And it's going to take a lot of time for us to build our team up to that, right? Like we just, it's where we come into the sport and it's where we're at in our life and it's going to take time. But you know, right now we're already happy with some of the results we've had this year. We're very, very pleased with, you know, like I said, more competitive finishes and having a little bit more speed on track than before. We have a lot of stuff that we want to clean up and make better. And that just happens with prep every single week and, and also taking care of our partners and building that and getting that better year after year and 
just building up funding to to be able to compete more. So it's a long road, but we're uh, we're you know hunkered down and ready to go, and just uh, looking forward to working towards making that happen. Last year, you got your first top ten across any major NASCAR series. How big of that was? How big was that? How big of a deal was that for you? Oh, it was a big deal because it's Daytona too. I love Daytona, like it's home track for me. So um, it was cool to get to experience that with the people around me. And, you know, to, to get it in the Cup Series first is kind of funny. You know, you'd have thought it would have been trucks or funny because I've got 300 starts now. But I, um, I definitely was thrilled to death to get it. And just, uh, you know, it makes me want to be a lot better. Like I'm definitely not happy with myself as a driver, the results I've had, and how long it's taken me to be, to be, you know, even as successful as I am now, which is nowhere near what I want. So, you know, it's definitely uh, was fun, but also a wake-up call that I need to be better. So we're just working towards that. As an owner and a driver for the same team, what does a race weekend look like for you? Is it um, uh, more busy than a, just the drivers or do other people handle the ownership side when you're racing? You know, I'm probably busier than some of the drivers, but if you look at, you know, a lot of effort that the drivers have to put in that compete for wins every week and the resources they have, I would say I'm definitely not more busy. Like it's, it's just we're doing two different things and we're working towards getting our team to where I just work on being a driver, right? Like I'm doing the same stuff that the guys are winning the races every week are working and prepping and trying to make sure they're the best they can be that weekend. We're trying to work towards getting that to where I'm doing the same thing. So it's, uh, it's definitely different, but I wouldn't say more busy. Nice. All right. We like to close out our interviews with some, uh, a little more lighthearted, um, quicker questions. So you can elaborate as much as you want or as little as you want, but we've got some rapid fire questions here. So gotcha. what's your favorite track on the current schedule? I've been asked that a thousand times. So I finally narrowed it down to Darlington. Uh, hard to say one track, but if I had to pick one, it's Darlington. If logistics were not an issue, what's one track you'd add to the Cup Series schedule? Uh, spa. Oh, that would be, that would be a lot of fun. Um, how many do you think would wreck coming up the hill though? I, you know, I don't think we would. I think that you would, you would, we'd just put on a great race. It'd probably be less sketchy than F1 there actually. Yeah, I think we could handle it. What's the uh, best racetrack concession item? Like a specific, like a Martinsville hot dog type thing, but uh, something else. If. I'd probably have to think longer than you have because I hardly ever eat at the tracks. Fair enough. Um, what's your favorite race car that you've driven? I have to say this next gen car. Like I love it, man. Is it as uh, good on the road courses as it's built to be? I haven't been in it on a road course, but the feedback I got from the drivers that have driven for me this year is they love it way more than any NASCAR vehicle they've driven. Finally, what's the best racing movie out there? Ah, oh, Days of Thunder. It's not even close, man. All right, that's a good answer. All right, finally, where can you be found on social media, your website, merch store, stuff like that? Yeah, just go to uh, bjmcloudmotorsports.com. We got everything on there. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show, and good luck this weekend at Nashville. Or Thank next you. Weekend. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Um, thank you once again for coming on and this has been the quick tip podcast.
That will do it for this week's episode of the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan. Um, Connor was on in the first segment as well. Thank you to him for tuning in and and working on his schedule as always. And uh, thank you to BJ McLeod for coming on for an awesome interview. It's uh, really cool to talk to him and and get to hear his side of things as an owner and driver of the next-gen car and our Cup Series team. And So that that was great talking to him. Big thanks to him once again for coming on the show. As always, go check out Washington on the Daily at WSH on the Daily on Instagram for all your Washington Commanders news and updates. And Circle B Diecast, use code QUICKPIT, Q-U-I-C-K-P-I-T for a special discount on your order. Um, like $20 or 30 I think it's $30 or more at this point. So go check that out. Um, drop a, a listen or a like on, on this episode. Give us a rating on Spotify and, and whatever other platform you listen to and uh, we will see you next week on the Quick Pit Podcast.